0: Okay, so in Daniel chapter 2, and if people miss the introduction on the podcast, that doesn't matter a lot. So, um, in this passage, we can see that there's a real clash between Daniel, what Daniel believes, what Daniel thinks is real, and what they think is real in Babylon. And it focuses on this whole issue of what is God like? Yeah? What is God like? For Daniel, here in Babylon, everyone believes in God, somehow. Babylon, there are various gods, but there's one main God, one chief God, but there are lots of other gods too. For Daniel, of course, there's only one God, the one God who made the heavens and the earth. But they're in total conflict over what God is like. And we can see that here at the very beginning of this passage. Look at this poor king, Nebuchadnezzar. He really believes that there is a God. He has dreams and he believes that in some way, God is trying to tell him something through his dream. And he's right, he's right. But the poor guy, he's troubled, why? Because he can't ask God what God is trying to say to him. He can't do that. He's got no access to God whatsoever. He has to call in his experts, yeah? And so he calls in the experts. And typically in the book of Daniel, we get these lovely lists, don't we? Um, He calls in the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers. And later on we discover again the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the astrologers. Um, Daniel seems to like these lists. He's, He's kind of pricking the pomposity of Babylon a little bit when he reverses all these lists. And um, so the king, to find out what God is trying to say to him, he's got to call in his experts, okay? Well, he calls in the experts, and the experts, they have no access to God either. They can't find out what God is trying to say either. They say, how are we supposed to know unless you tell us the dream? You tell us the dream, we can look it up in books, we can work it out, you know, we can, we can have a guess, we can have a stab. But if you don't tell us the dream, we have no way of finding out what God is trying to say to you. And they say this this phrase, which is very, very telling. Look at verse 11. We'll start in verse 10. The astrologers answered the king, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician... Or enchanter. Or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. Yeah? Do you see what they're saying? They're saying, look. There's the world we live in. We live in this world. It's the world of men. And then there's the world of the gods. But that's elsewhere. It's separate from us. We have no contact with them. We can't um, access them. We can't speak to them. We can't hear from them. They don't dwell with us. There's a big separation between us. Yeah? We don't live in the same world. Now, it's at that point that I want us to pause and to simply ask ourselves the question, what kind of world do we live in? I'm going to make it more pointed. What kind of world do you live in? What kind of world do you live in? Do you live in the world of uh, are we 21st century France? I was born in the last century, so I got confused, you know? Um, 21st century, most of us were. 21st century France, where um, for many, many French people, you know, there's just the world of men. Nobody knows where it came from. Nobody knows why it exists. Nobody knows where it's going. Nobody knows why we're here. Nobody knows if there's a purpose. Nobody knows anything, you know, worth knowing. It's just like that, you know. You, you cope with it. Find a way of coping because it's just like that. And the majority of people in some way would say, well, that's what I think. For other people, there may be people who say, no, 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 I believe in God, uh, Typically, they'll say, Je suis croyant, mais je suis pas pratiquant. I believe in God, but I don't do anything about it. (laughs) I mean, that's a rough paraphrase, isn't it? I believe in God, but I don't do anything about it. Um, Okay, so, yeah, there's a God, but there's no contact, no communication. Really, they're living in Babylon. You know, there's the world of men, my world, and there's God. But... Nothing happens between us. Now, contrast that with the biblical worldview, which is so different. It really is. God dwells amongst his people. And that's an amazing thing. You look at what um, the astrologers say, and it's just so, so wonderful, isn't it? No one can reveal it to the king except the gods. And they do not live among humans. But. One day, God would come and dwell among humans. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ would walk into the world he made. One day, he would present himself to the world of men. And the world of men would do with him what they wanted. But in a way, that is just a focus of what had been going on from the beginning and what is going on today. What happened in Eden God was present with Adam and Eve in the garden. They knew each other. There was a communion. There was friendship. There was fellowship. There was union. There was closeness. There was proximity. There was, there was um, an intimacy between God and the man and the woman before uh, the fall of man, before the rebellion. But then even after the rebellion... God establishes a way where he can live amongst his people. That's what the tabernacle is about, isn't it? There's a tent. Who lives in that tent in the middle of the camp? You know, we all live in these tents around. But who lives in that tent? God is in that tent. God is in the middle of his people. Yeah? And when his people are walking through the wilderness, God is leading them. There's a pillar of smoke in the day. And a pillar of fire in the night. And they can follow him. Because he's there with them. He's with them. Uh, You think of the temple. The temple is kind of like the tabernacle built. Isn't it? And really they're both kind of um, manifestations of, of Sinai in a way. You know of this mountain where God was in the middle of his people. And the temple is just the same. Who lives in that big house on the hill? That's God's house. God lives amongst his people. David... David, we sang, didn't we, about how God uh, will lead me home. His goodness will lead me home. And David, not just in Psalm 23, but in other psalms, he talks about God's right hand uh, guiding him. God being before him and behind him. Wherever he goes, God will will, uh, already be there. Yeah? Because God is with his people. And what about you? Because... That hasn't changed. Um, Francis Schaeffer used to say. The supernatural is there. It's, It's not distant. You know God is nearer to you. Than the person sat next to you. Even if you're sat. And you're touching the person next to you. God is still nearer to you. He's closer to you. Than the person sat next to you. On your bench. And that is the truth. Um, there's a, a beautiful verse In uh, 1 Peter Which is talking to Christians who suffer And um, Peter says You know even if you suffer For your faith Rejoice because he says The spirit of glory And of God Rests on you The spirit of glory And of God Rests on you um, In a previous life, we used to sing old songs. A couple of us are like that. And uh, one of the songs that I used to really like singing, it'd be nice to kind of find a way of reviving it, but it's it's a song that needs a bit of explanation. Song of John Newton, uh, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, and it's called Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. And it's a song talking about the church, about the people of God, yeah? And one of the verses goes like this. Round each habitation, hovering, see the fire and uh, the cloud and fire appear, for a glory and a covering, uh, showing that the Lord is near. Blessed inhabitants of Zion, washed in the Redeemer's blood, Jesus, whom their souls rely on, makes them kings and priests to God. Now his his rhymes were sometimes a little bit dodgy. But um, what he's saying in that verse is, you know, when you look around, what you're looking at is not just people. You're looking at people indwelt by the living God. And there's something so grand about that, isn't there? There's something so amazing about that. That Christian people are indwelt by the living God. And you say, oh yeah, but you know, I quarrel with people. Oh, yeah, me too. Me too. I'm not worthy, you know, if you knew the thoughts that go on in my head, me too. If you knew the things I I look at, the things I read. If you knew the things I say, yeah, yeah, all of those things are true. But nevertheless, in amazing humility, in amazing um, condescension comes down with us. God dwells in his people. And that gives you a dignity and a wonder. That is, you could never value it, could you? It's, 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 it's something you could never measure. It's something that's so glorious. Okay, so what? Well, there's a couple of things that follow from that. The one is, remember, God is always there. We, we, um, we don't think too much about this building as being Bordeaux Church. Largely because it doesn't belong to us. We don't even rent it. You know, somebody loans it to us. That's wonderful. It's a great place to meet. But this is not Bordeaux Church. It's just a room. Uh, The brethren meet here in the morning. They don't refer to it as the brethren um, either. You know, how could you? You know, it's just a room. Um, We know that Bordeaux Church is this group of people. But that means... It doesn't mean there's no holy place... It means everywhere is a holy place. It means everywhere you put your foot, God is there. You know, you should never wear shoes. Never. Always take your shoes off because the place you're standing is holy ground because God is there. Um, you, that is just a figure of speech, you know? <laughs> <laughs> It's just the way you're trying to make the point. But I'm sure you get the point. Everywhere is holy. Everywhere is holy. Every moment is holy. No moment is more holy than any other. Because it couldn't be more holy. Because it's absolutely holy. Every moment is absolutely holy. God is there. He's there at every moment of your day. Now you meditate on that later if you want. Uh, But I'm serious. I really am. And so when we thank God for our food and when we thank... You know, we, you, can, you can turn to God at any and every moment. You really can. Um, and that means that your life has immense dignity. Because just like um, Israel walking through the desert, you know, uh, moving towards the promised land. Your life is a walk with your heavenly father. It really is. You're walking through life with God And he's directing you, and you think, well, I I don't know where I'm going. Well, that's okay, because he knows where you're going. And he will direct you, and you can ask him, you can say to him, look, I don't know what choice to make. Uh, Please help me. Uh, Please close doors. There are too many doors. I I can't even choose. Uh, Please open a door. Please lead me somewhere. And you know, um, one of the wonderful things um, is that um, we've been praying for a place to, for the the projet francophone. To, to meet. And um, I, I say so much. It even bores me. Until you're on the beach. God doesn't part the waters. You know, There's no point God parting the waters. Until you're on the beach. So you've got to be between Pharaoh. And the deep, blue, deep red sea. Before God will part the waters. And last minute God opens a door. And how many times have we seen that. You know. Um, I couldn't make a list anymore. I just couldn't make a list. And there we are. God has opened the door. Uh, he's, he's parted the waters. Uh, when we're on the beach, you know, and that's, that's what he will do. That's what he will do. Because he is that kind of God. Your life is a walk with your heavenly father. Uh, okay, uh, so that's the first thing. God is always there. Second thing, you can pray without ceasing. We're going to be too long tonight. Um, you can pray without ceasing. People make fun. We, might, we could just skip truth, couldn't we? I might just skip truth. Yeah. We'll skip truth. We can always do that on Friday. Um, you can pray without ceasing. People make fun of people who pray about parking spaces. I don't know why, you know? They say, oh, you know, they pray about finding a parking space. as If that's a really funny thing to do. I do that all the time. Um, we, don't, we don't actually have a car But, um, <laughs> but I still pray for a parking space No, uh, we don't actually have a car But we, we belong to a car pool club And when we lived in Pesach uh, We have recently moved And we used to live in Pesach And uh, the good people of Pesach Love to park in the place that reserved for the pool car They just love it I have seen times when the whole of that row has been empty except for the spot where I have to park. And I think, why? And there's a sign. It says, interdit. Interdit. And it says, um, what it says? Uh, autopartage. Par- yeah, autopartage. It says on the street and it says, um, a stationnement interdit. And I think, You know I'm not French I can read that I can read that I think anyone can read that And so whenever I borrowed the car from Pesach I would always be going back saying Oh please Lord please don't let anyone be parked in that space Because it's so hard when people are parked there And um, often someone would be parked there And the car was empty And you just have to park somewhere else And then you send a message saying, sorry, someone in the space, I had to park somewhere else. And they say, okay, no problem. Or the car would be parked there and there'd be someone in the seat. And then I really pray because I say, Heavenly Father, please don't let me be sarcastic. (laughs) You know, because sarcasm is not part of the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and not sarcasm. And, and it's so easy, isn't it? Alors, vous arrivez à lire, monsieur? Ça dit stationnement interdit. Je suis pas français, moi. No, don't go there. And so, you know, you would say, uh, excuse me, but, you know, this is a, an autopartage, uh, says autopartage. I have to park there. Could you move your car? And they would always say, oh, yeah, okay, of course, and they would move their car. You can do that. You can, you can live a life of prayer. Paul says, pray without ceasing. He doesn't mean make sure you have a quiet time. I mean, yeah, make sure you have a quiet time. But don't confine God to half an hour in the morning, you know? As if, well, I've done my half an hour with God, now I'm on my own. It isn't like that. The Christian life isn't like that. Pray all the time. You know, your Hollandaise is curdling. Pray. I've never made a Hollandaise in my life. Um, and I never will. But um, you know, pray, pray about everything. Pray, ask God, ask God to lead you. I don't know what to feed people tonight. Pray, you know, pray about everything. Pray about your kids. Pray about your parents. Pray about each other. Um, you can always pray, yeah. You always can. And then the next thing, always trust Him. Always trust Him. And we'll go a little bit into truth because, um, very, very briefly, because obviously truth is a huge issue just now, isn't it? Who trusts what they read in the newspapers? I'm British, in case you hadn't realised. And uh, Britain is going through a period, an interesting period politically, where we are experience what is experiencing what we call Brexit. What does Brexit mean? If you read The Guardian, Brexit is a disaster. If you read The Telegraph, Brexit is a triumph. Two newspapers, the same day, same piece of news, they'll interpret it completely differently. And it's getting on my nerves, frankly, you know. Um, I can't read The Telegraph because you have to pay for it, but The Guardian is still free. And I read The Guardian, I think, you know, what would I read in The Telegraph? Um, Hey, you know. It's so hard, isn't it? What is true? Um, We have leaders in our countries for whom truth is the last thing I said. You know? And if it contradicts what I said two days ago, so be it. You know? What's your problem? I just told you what the truth is. Um, It's so hard to know now who you can trust. Well, this is where we come to... um, Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just make a little excursion to Crete... Because I've been fascinated by this verse for so long. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. I thought, you know, I'm Welsh. I'm kind of glad Paul didn't come to Wales. Um, I don't know what he would have said. And I thought, I I wonder whether Cretans read this verse and get a bit cross, you know? Well, anyway, I met a Cretan. I met him in Bath. And um, I said, you're a Cretan. He said, well, I'm not really a Cretan, but you know, some of my family are Cretan, and I go to Crete, I spend a lot of time in Crete. I said, what about that verse in Titus? He said, it's true. (laughs) Apology to any Cretans who listen to the podcast. He said, it's true. All my family say it's true. Well, to be honest with you, is it not true of us all? You know, we can criticize our political leaders, we can criticize the newspapers, we can t- criticize the Cretans, but to be honest with you, do I, am I always certain of the things that I say? When people ask me a question and I have to give an answer, am I always brave enough to say, I'm sorry, I don't know? I can think of situations where to say, I don't know, would put me in deep hot water. And I have not always fessed up. You know? Um, Am I always sure that I've understood every side of every discussion that I try and present to people? Am I so truthful as I like to think? Paul says, let God be be true and every man a lion. David said, I said in my distress... All men are liars. All men are liars. All people are liars. And there's a sense in which, yeah, we, even when we don't lie deliberately, I see things through my eyes. I have no other eyes to see them through. I see them with my experience. I see them from my perspective. You know? You get my point of view. I can't give you another. We're, we're a bit stuck like that, aren't we? And so it's really hard to know what is true. Not so hard as all that. Because there was a man, and there is a man, who came into this world. And he came with with total perspective. He came with deep understanding. He came knowing what was in the heart of people. He came knowing what people were getting at when they asked him questions. He came knowing what people's thoughts were. And what people's needs were. And he comes into into your life today and he knows you absolutely. And the God who knows us and who sees all things has spoken to us in his word. And that's why we can have such confidence in the Bible. Um, Titus begins like this. I need to find Titus. Um, And it begins really wonderfully. And I'm looking forward to going through Titus. Titus. together. Here we are. Titus. And he's writing to Crete, okay? Paul is writing to Titus, who's working in Crete, where, as we have read, uh, Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, and lazy guttons, okay? Um, Paul writes to Titus, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. The truth that leads to godliness, not the lies that lead to evil, brutalism, and lazy gluttony. The truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season, he is brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Saviour. God who does not lie... That's why we have such confidence in the Bible. Because, yeah, it's written by men. But by men moved by God's Holy Spirit. He, he moved them like the wind moves a ship. Yeah? He moved them um, as they wrote. And they brought, therefore, God's message to us. They wrote what God wanted them to write. It was their words, but it was God's words. And it's accessible. You know, um, what languages did you cite? Cite. Um, yeah. Tupoki. It's really called Tupoki. And they speak French. <laughs> okay, so the language Tupoki. It's not my fault, okay? Um, and so on. Um, but when the Bible comes to you, in a, in a, you know Jesus used a translation, didn't he? Jesus used the Septuagint, he used the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And you find Jesus and the apostles quoting the Greek uh, Old Testament a translation and so we today we use translations um, as our savior did and god's word becomes accessible to us and god's word is taught and preached and we can know in this way salvation we can know eternal life we can know the lord jesus christ we can know the living god that restoration of relationship that proximity That fellowship, that communion, that union. (laughs) Restored, beginning to be restored. It'll be fulfilled one day. We'll see him face to face. It'll be better than in the garden. It will be closer than in the garden. Uh, But we begin to live that now. As we walk with the living God in the light. As the old song says. Of his word. Okay, so what? So that's a. That's a very, very quick kind of truth bit, okay? Uh, so what? Question everything. Question everything. Ask questions of everything and everyone. You know, don't ever read the newspaper and, and swallow it all down. Don't, don't do that. Don't ever watch, watch the TV and swallow it all down. Don't ever watch science programs and swallow it all down. You know, I'm a trained biologist. But opinions change, you know? The things I was taught 30 years ago. 40 years ago, are different now. It's different now. Things have moved on. Um, so ask questions of everything. Don't just swallow what people tell you. But trust God and his word. Trust him. Because he is the God who does not lie. Speak to him. Listen to him. Walk with him. Because he's leading you. If you will do that, he's leading you home, as we said. Um... We're going to pray and then we're going to sing our next song and then we move into the next part of the service. So let's pray together.